Well, good morning and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Johnny and I am the campus pastor here. I'm so glad that you chose to worship with us today. Uh, We are continuing to work out the kinks and what it means to come back together and gather as a people and live stream when there's really people in the building. We got really good at live streaming with nobody in the building. Uh, And believe it or not, it's a very different thing to live stream with people in the building. And so uh, we're grateful for your patience as we are working out these kinks and as we uh, work together to figure out what this means to regather as a church. So I'm grateful for your patience and grateful that you joined us um, this morning. We are currently in a series uh, in Galatians chapter 5, and we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And what we're talking about is how uh, the fruit of the Spirit is the different than what Paul describes as the works of the flesh. So the works of the flesh are uh, the things that happen in our lives and the outgrowths of our lives when all we're worried about is ourselves, when all we're worried about is our own interests in having all of our Um, desires met, and that selfish kind of a lifestyle Paul calls the works of the flesh. And there's a list of things in Galatians chapter 5 that Paul connects to the flesh. And then Paul contrasts and says, this is the works of the flesh, but here on the flip side is the fruit of the Spirit. And I think it's, um, I, I didn't say this last week, and I'll just say it really quickly this week. I think it's interesting that this is described, this list love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control is called the fruit of the Spirit. I think so often we say fruits. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And I think it's interesting because Paul says this is the fruit of the Spirit, almost as though all of these things go together in some way. That when we live Spirit-filled lives, it's not that this is a buffet or a smorgasbord that we choose from, but this really is part of what it means to live life in the Spirit, that our lives will have this in them, love, joy, peace, patience. And so it's not one of this and one of that, but it's really all of these things are together, the fruit of the Spirit. And I think that's an interesting um, and maybe important point for us to think about this morning. But today, we are talking about the second fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about joy. So Paul starts the list. He says, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, joy. And I think that's such an interesting word. And as I thought about what that means, and as I studied uh, and prepared for this message this week, um, I tried to figure out what exactly differentiates joy from happiness. Because I think so often in our culture, we conflate those two things together, joy and happiness. When I'm feeling happy, I am filled with joy. When I'm going on a roller coaster, right, this is a moment of joy for me because it's a moment of happiness for me. And I think the two have become very interconnected in our thinking. And so this morning, I hope that we can separate those out a little bit. Not that uh, joy doesn't uh, bring happiness with it, but I'm not sure that every moment of happiness is a moment of joy. And certainly, there are moments that are not particularly happy that can be joyful. And so I hope this morning we can uh, dive in and look at what Scripture has to say about the uh, idea of joy, joy, and how it's different maybe than happiness. So as I thought about this, the story that really came to mind for me was the story of Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Because Mary receives this message from an angel. The angel comes to Mary and says, you are going to give birth to the Messiah. 
And I think that in our imagination, we imagine how wonderful that news must have been for Mary. What a beautiful thing to happen to Mary. And in our minds, I think we have this picture of like, what an, an, an epic and wonderful moment that must have been for Mary. But the truth is more complicated than that. Because Mary uh, was not married when she got that news. And in Mary's culture, there would have been a huge stigma for her as an unwed mother. At the point where she receives this news, she's engaged to be married to Joseph, um, but she has no idea how Joseph will respond. Imagine taking that news to your fiance that you are pregnant and that it is the work of the Holy Spirit. You have to now hope that your fiance is going to go along with that and go along with this idea. There's no guarantees that Joseph is going to uh, believe what Mary has to say. And so now Mary is handed this, what we call a beautiful gift, and certainly it is a beautiful gift, but socially and culturally and emotionally, how distressing must this information have been? Mary, you are now going to potentially uh, lose your future husband. He might not understand. Mary, you are going to carry the stigma of being a woman who was pregnant before she got married. Mary, you're going to carry around the social baggage that comes with being an unwed mother in this type of a situation. And that, to me, sounds like really difficult news to receive. Certainly it's joyous. Certainly it's beautiful. Certainly uh, it's a huge gift. But socially and culturally, it's also a very difficult message to receive. And so Mary, in the book of Luke, gets this information and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, in some way, is the flip side of Mary. Elizabeth is an older woman. She uh, didn't believe that she could have children, and yet now she has been given this amazing gift, and also an angel brought uh, this gift to her, this idea that she is going to give birth to a boy that is to be named John. And so uh, Elizabeth is almost in the exact opposite situation as Mary. She's older, she's already married, she's been longing for a child her whole life, and Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is filled with joy about her pregnancy. And we have this like, this dichotomy uh, I see in the book of Luke as Mary comes to this meeting with Elizabeth and Elizabeth is so filled with joy and what is Mary filled with right now? Is she filled with trepidation? Is she filled with anxiety? Is she filled with uncertainty about what her future is going to hold? I, I think it's fair to imagine that she's full of all of those things. And as Mary comes to visit Elizabeth with no idea what Elizabeth will say either because again, Mary's story sounds kind of wild if you think about it. You're going to talk to your cousin and you're going to tell her that you are uh, going to give birth to a child that was conceived of the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a risk. So Mary goes to talk to her cousin Elizabeth and maybe she's even worried how Elizabeth will receive this news. Is Elizabeth going to be judgmental? I don't know. Mary was greatly troubled, it says, when the angel visits her, and now Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard, I'm sorry, this is Luke chapter 1, verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, so Mary is calling out and saying, I'm here to visit you. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby 
leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And now this, I think, is so important for us. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. When Mary comes and says, I'm here to visit you, what it says is that the baby leaps for joy inside of Elizabeth's womb. John, this child who will grow up to be called John the Baptist, leaps for joy. And immediately, Elizabeth is what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And Elizabeth is filled with joy as she is filled with the Spirit. And in this moment, she has eyes to see that this is not bad news that Mary comes bringing. This is not uh, news that is unwelcome that Mary comes bringing. When she's filled with the Spirit and filled with the fruit of the Spirit, this joy that is so uh, total that it causes the baby in her womb to leap. When she's filled with the Spirit, she has eyes to see that Mary comes bearing the Messiah within her womb. Joy, unmitigated joy is what fills Elizabeth. And it's incredible what that joy does. Because now Mary, who comes no doubt filled with uncertainty, no doubt filled with trepidation, no doubt filled with wonderings about what her life will be like, Mary has come into that space and the Holy Spirit has filled Elizabeth with joy. Elizabeth speaks out of this joy to Mary. And the very next thing that happens in Luke chapter 1 is what we call the Magnificat. Mary now, so filled with the Holy Spirit and so filled herself with joy, the joy has uh, come into this moment, gives the Magnificat. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices, rejoices, right? In God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. I'm going to finish reading this in a second. But here's what I want to say about the Magnificat. We're talking about joy in the face of trepidation. Joy is not connected to happiness. There's no indication that Mary is uh, super happy when she comes to visit Elizabeth, right? It's not circumstantial. Mary's joy is not circumstantial because the moment and the circumstance she's in is wrought with tension. Who knows what's going to happen? And yet, when she's filled with the Spirit and filled with this joy, and Elizabeth is filled with spirit and filled with this joy, suddenly Mary has eyes to see where she fits in the redemptive work of God in history. Our joy comes from knowing that God has already won the battles. Our joy comes from knowing that God is in charge of the way the story ends. Our joy comes from the knowledge that God cares for us and cares for the world and that God's redemptive plans will work out. And when we are filled with the Spirit, we are given spirit eyes in the same way as Elizabeth and in the same way as Mary to not see the circumstance and not see the situation. Guys, we're living through 2020 right now and it's a nightmare. Is it not? It's, I mean, you know that it's a nightmare. Here we are. It's, this is hard. We got a pandemic. We got, we got people dying in the street. We, this is a bad situation. And yet, 
filled with the Spirit, we're told that we can have joy. When our circumstances say no joy, we can be filled with joy. Here's what Mary says. She's filled with joy. She says, my spirit rejoices. That's the key word there, joy. Here's what she says. The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The joy comes from the promise. The joy comes from this moment when we, filled with the Spirit, can see God's redemptive work in history, that God cares for the poor and fills them up, that God cares for the humble and lifts them up, that God ultimately stands with those who need God the most. Mary is filled with joy, not because her situation is easy, it's not. Not because her situation is easy to navigate, it's not. She still doesn't know what's going to happen. She still doesn't know how she'll be received. She still doesn't know what the end of the story is. But now, filled with the Spirit and filled with joy, she has eyes to see that the joy of the Lord transcends our circumstance. The joy of the Lord transcends the place that we find ourselves because we have eyes to see that the promises of God are always pushing out and always making their way into the future. And we are invited in joy to see where that happens. So today, Sean is going to close with the song Waymaker. And if we're not careful, I'm going to start making Sean sing this song every week. I really am, because um, I think it's such a beautiful picture. Promise keeper, light in the darkness, Waymaker. How can we have joy in 2020? How can we have joy in the midst of a pandemic? How can we have joy and hope and confidence when what we see on the news tears our hearts out? Mary had joy that transcended her circumstances, that transcended her situation, that transcended her doubts and her fears and her worries. And it transcended because it's not happiness that comes from the world. It's a joy that gives us eyes to see as God sees. And to see that God's work is always moving forward. And God's work will always be done. And we can have joy in knowing that we stand with God in this world. Let's pray together. God, I am... Uh, so grateful that our joy is not contingent on our circumstance. God, I'm grateful that through the power of the Spirit, we can have joy even in the darkest moments because you give us faith and confidence that you are still in control, that you are still filling the hungry and lifting the humble, God. So I pray, God, that we would have 
joy that leaps within us in the same way as Elizabeth. That we would be filled with your spirit so that joy could be made known out of us and to the world, God. That somehow people would say, how in the world does that person still have joy in the midst of all of this mess and all of this nonsense, God? And the only answer is by the power of your spirit. Not something that we can do, God, but a gift from you to give us your perspective on the world. And in that perspective, what we can find is a deep abiding joy that transcends our circumstances. So God, fill us even now with your spirit and carry us out into this week filled with joy and filled with rejoicing knowing that the battles in front of us are already won by you. We love you, God. We pray this in your name. Amen.